Today, I talk with Justin Mbastari about his near-death experience. Justin went into cardiac arrest while surfing in San Onofre, California. Nearly drowning, Justin was put on his board and pushed into shore where he would collapse. After multiple heart surgeries and a couple miracles, Justin is still with us today and did not suffer any brain damage. His second lease on life is powerful and can teach us all to be more present and loving. I'm a little skinny right now, but no, dude, because, you look good. You you look healthy. Yeah, you feel. No, I feel healthy for sure. I mean, I was like 120 when I came out of the hospital. I was at 16. When I was before the hospital, I was 165. Yeah, and then you lost like 40 pounds. I basically. lost 40 pounds in the process of two two weeks. Jeez, Louise. Well, when you have a near death experience. I imagine you're going to be losing some weight. <laughs> that, so you had a heart attack. Cardiac arrest. Cardiac arrest. There's a difference, yeah, there's right? There's a difference. So you, you went into cardiac arrest yeah. in San Onofre surfing. Yeah, while surfing. With Dude. Buddies. Let's, let's explain the difference between a heart attack and uh, cardiac arrest. Cardiac arrest. Heart attack is when the coronary artery becomes blocked. And heart attack or cardiac arrest is when the um, heart stops pumping blood to the organs in the body. I see. So it's like an electrical issue. Yeah, it's an electrical issue. It's cardiac arrest. Heart yeah. attack is like a blockage of some sort. Yeah. In my case, I had a sudden cardiac arrest caused by myocarditis, um, a scientific term for the type of cardiac symptom or thing that I had was ventricular tachycardia is when your heart just keeps going and does and it you know it just keeps going at this like 250 bpms per minute to like 300 let's say um so that's what you went through it was the heart yes. was beating too fast heart was beating too fast interesting yeah and uh what's it called so this was from a blood inf- you said it was a, heart- a, vi- a virus a virus um inflamed my heart we don't know what the virus is called um and you don't know exactly how you contracted it don't know exactly how i contracted it there's theories that it was uh, this thing called secular COVID, long COVID, and um, it's spelled S-E-Q-U-E-L-E, secular COVID, and it's when you're, you know, you get COVID, and then months later, the effects of getting COVID fuck up your cardiovascular system, and then th- from that point on, you're just unaware of it, you know, you're asymptomatic. Yeah, and long then, long COVID is something that we're hearing now. So yeah. to give a timeline, w- when did the incident happen? And then when would it have been before when you potentially contracted it? Because you were describing that you were kind of sick, right? Yeah, I was kind of sick. Uh, March, you know, when everything was getting crazy, we didn't know what was going on or what COVID was. I was sick then and then eventually... March 2020. March 2020. And then August or uh, September... T- September 20, September 28th of 2020, last September, I went into sudden cardiac arrest without knowing what the hell was going on. Okay, dude. So what happened that day? Did you sleep well? Did you wake up and feel off? Did you feel completely normal? Was the, the surfing trip planned? What went down when you woke up? Um, so it was a picture perfect day uh, with my buddies. It was me, Austin, Aaron, our friend Tanner, Emma, and our friend Wes. There might be someone else too, but I can't remember. But um, yeah, we were all going to San Onofre to go surf. Um, the waves are all right that day. It was like a gloomy day, and uh, and 
I remember, you know, everybody rushed out of the van, super stoked to surf. And I kind of just like waited behind and was like just hanging out by the van and like eating chips and guac and had a kombucha with me, talking to Emma. Um, so you felt completely fine. At I this felt point. completely fine at that point, but I was also like feeling a sense of like heaviness and mm. not really sure what that was. Maybe I was just nervous to paddle out. It's been a minute since. And, uh, you know, I had like a new board. So I was like, fuck, like, what if this board sucks? And I was just like, you know, not stoked on the board just yet. Usually like it takes me like two times before going before I'm like, let's go. I know this thing. So yeah. So, um, eventually like 30 minutes, they're like surfing, having fun for like 30 minutes. We're at old man's and I paddle out and I just remember just feeling super heavy and like super tired. Like my body was just like, just like condensed and it just felt heavy. And, uh, I remember I went under one wave and I kind of turtle rolled over another wave and then I got back on my board and I just remember just feeling like this, I couldn't like started, my breath started to slow down and I just couldn't breathe anymore. And I remember seeing Austin, um, Austin Case, who you know, he uh, was riding his new board and he just slid right behind me, like I say like 20 yards and he was like waving at me cause he was just, you know, sh carving and stuff. And then Aaron had caught a wave right behind me, you know, right when it started to get heavy. So right when it started to get heavy, I remember just like, just like not feeling like stoked. <laughs> I remember this is, this is bad. So I got, was able to like get Aaron's attention and wave him down. Like, Hey, I need to, I need to get to shore. Like I can't breathe. So he looks at me, he sees that I'm like changing colors. And then eventually my head is dipping underwater and I'm just taking in water. I'm just taking in water over and over. And then I grab his ankle, get on my board, grab his ankle. And I can't hold on because it's just like, the process of like trying to grab something while you're trying to deal with whatever you're dealing with internally was just like, I couldn't do it. So eventually he just saw that I was just like, I, I just couldn't move. And like, I was literally incapable of like getting out of getting, uh, or grabbing him to like get to shore. So he was able to push me into like the perfect wave. And in that process of pushing me, I just like kind of, I remember gliding and uh like getting to the rocks right where you know i think old man's is there's a bunch of rocks you know you, if you know if you if you served old man's you know where those rocks are those rocks are you know how annoying they are i remember like getting up and then i just remember just grabbing my wetsuit trying to take it off and um in that process of taking it off i just i couldn't do it anymore i just gave up so i just fell and then eventually like i felt like someone's hands grabbed me i think it was austin and aaron and they were just yelling help yelling help um, and then they, you know, I just couldn't, couldn't move. And then two other guys off duty lifeguards came by and were able to like grab me and put me on the board. And in that time, I just, I don't remember much. I just remember that I blacked out and, um, Austin case has like a, a, vi a vision of me or like a, an image of me just like peacefully smiling and, He's, and he said that the life off-duty lifeguard went to go check my the pulse at my ankle, and he said no pulse, no pulse. And Austin's like, he's he's fucking with us, like this, stop fucking with us. And uh, Austin, <laughs> as Austin said, my smile looked so peaceful that he thought I was just like, just this is some like joke or something. No way. Yeah, and he's like he's, like he's like you, he's like you seemed so still, and so like at peace that I didn't know if you were dead or fucking with me. He's like. Yeah, and, I, and you know, there's a, there's a whole like part to that situation that I'm still like trying to dissect myself, but 
I think at that moment is when I kind of had my out-of-body experience um, and kind of just, like, released that weight of, like, trying to fight. Whatever I was fighting was, like, forcing me to, like... I was, like, forced to unattach myself from, like, that physical, like, plane that I was in. Yeah. You know, the pain and all that stuff. And um, That's was a common occurrence with people that have these experiences. To go back a little bit, so when you're when you're out in the sets and you feel like overwhelmed that you can't breathe. Um, you said Aaron was on that look to you and like said you were kind of turning colors and yeah, went yeah. to assist you. You couldn't, you were too weak to like actually grab onto him. So you're taking water on at this point. Are you actually submerging and kind of like drowning a little bit? Um, so how much water were you? Like I wasn't taking? aware that I was taking water. This is the doctor saying that I took in a lot of water, I um, see. but I probably took in water. Um, you know, my friends have no idea if I did or not. No one really knows. But you were off your board. I, th in the I water. think I took in water when I was rolling, um, turning, turning. Like yeah, when I was like trying to turtle. get my turtle rolling yeah. into the waves and stuff. So I think that's when I took in water. I wasn't really aware that I took in water so because I was like, "Where's what's happening?" I see. Okay, so you're like, "What's happening?" You can't really exactly recollect what was happening. Yeah. In that moment, it's like you're trying to piece the. You're trying to piece everything together, but was it like your heart was racing super fast at that point, and that's why you were kind of... I had no idea it was my heart. I thought I was just like... A little nervous, tripping out. Like, you didn't know yeah, what was I happening. I was really out of shape at yeah, that point. Yeah, okay. I was like, geez, like, I know I haven't surfed in a month or a couple months, like, but, like, I should not be this out of shape. Like, I was pretty in shape at the time. Like, I remember I told you I was, like, training for an Ironman and, like, running and all this stuff. Yeah, I was stressing on my cardiovascular health, but, like, I was, like, surfing? Like, I could do this. You got this. And then um, Aaron goes to put you on the board and kind of send you off. Sends me off into... Back into back, shore. Back into shore, which is, like, a good, I don't know, maybe, like, 50, 40 yards. Just a perfect roller. A perfect roller, yeah. It was insane. It was just, like, this miracle. He's, like, there were no waves that day. And he's, like, you man we managed, like, I managed to push you into that wave that was able to like send you in because keep in mind like when you pass out and you go and your heart stops pumping blood to your to your organs and everything else like you go brain dead after like four or five minutes you start to lose you know your brain capacity starts to dwindle down and that those minutes are essentially really vital like they call it the uh the chain of life you know immediately getting me under compression so when aaron austin and then these two other guys these two off to you lifeguards are homies now we talk all the time shout out to you guys you guys are angels you too austin and aaron you know that already <laughs> um yeah they were able to like put me on my board on it like as a stretcher and carry me to the lifeguard tower and there i think someone some marine like i don't know who it is exactly still don't know could have been the two two guys we haven't really talked about this in a minute so he was able to like give me compressions like until the ambulance arrived and I think one of the lifeguards I was on duty was able to, like, get defibrillators and shock me on the beach. Um, and I think on the beach, I went into cardiac arrest twice. So once when I was surfing, I went under. And then a second time on the beach, that's when they had to get the defibrillators and shock me. And the guy that was running the chain of life, like, giving me compressions, actually, you know, he caused me to bleed internally, but didn't break my ribs. 
So the, the compressions that he did were just so like powerful. They were like with force, with force, with force that like I was able to kind of, I stay coherent, Whoa. able to like have a conversation with you today. So crazy? he kept your brain he kept my alive. brain. He kept the oxygen going by just like, go, what, go, what go. happened with the bleeding internally? What was ruptured? Uh, nothing was ruptured. It was just like the internal swelling of like just getting that trauma to the trauma to the chest. But you'll, you'll give that up, right? To keep your brain coming. Yeah, I'd give that up any day. <laughs> it any was fucking a, day. That's so crazy that they happened to be on the beach. And I, yeah. that's a very south beach towards the military base. Stand so, over, yes. Yeah, you have a lot of um, like off-duty military members there. And then you have these two lifeguards that your homie's with. So I remember you describing you were kind of fighting what was happening to you. Let's say when you're getting pushed uh-huh. back into shore on the board, you're going in and out of consciousness. Yeah. And this moment you described where you had your out of body experience and you kind of, mm. according to Austin, like just visually looked at peace, like, yeah, that's freaking nuts. But that's something that's common with people that get to the brink of death with, at least mm-hmm. from what I've read that I don't know if it's deemed some sort of, God like being or an afterlife that puts you in that place or is it a biological mechanism that is just giving you the ability to cope with what's about to happen you know like the reality of almost losing your life what what do you think happened internally with this out of body experience did you feel like peace and bliss what yeah, were your feelings I, like I remember just everything just sounded so terrible um the yelling for help the like franticness the 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 way everybody was moving was like really aggressive and i was sitting there like just trying to like live and like doing like breath work and like trying to fight trying to fight trying to fight um and then i just remember i couldn't fight anymore and i just like let go i was just like i'll i'll be okay if i just stop fighting i just had to tell myself that i was like i can't i can't breathe anymore like i need to just let go i'm about to like get tears over this little scenario but um dude it's heavy that's it's heavy and it's it's uh it almost felt like a uh a baptism of some sort like just let go live your life go you know just like that's the thing that runs in my head is like this thing is so fragile and that's snap of my life was just like a a lesson to just like stay present and just you know yeah i I love how you say you got a second lease on life Second lease on life. Aaron pushing you, that perfect wave. Yeah. The people that helped do compressions, keep your brain alive. Yeah. And um, the surfboard as the stretcher. So the the ambulance arrives. And well, let's do you go, remember? Let's go back to that experience where I felt like I had not my own like out of body experience. Yeah, yeah. So I remember just like kind of feeling very light. And I obviously it might be due to the chemicals being released in my brain from passing out, blah, blah, blah. But like, I remember just being like lifted out of my body and just like feeling everybody's presence, but not really seeing them just like feeling the the chaos, but super unattached to it all because it all seemed so bad. I was just like, I'm okay. And I remember just like looking up and like, it was a gloomy day, um, but it just seemed really bright. The light seemed really bright. And I just remember it, it just felt like this like presence of like love was just surrounding me, like, (laughs) like a ball, bro. And like this like warmth and I couldn't define it. I couldn't understand it, but it nearly felt like something was wooing me closer and closer and closer to it. And I just remember just like, I mean, obviously when I woke up, I remember like, wow, maybe dying ain't so bad. 
You yeah, know, I'm fucking tearing up right now. That's <laughs> is that God or what is that? I don't know. You can make your. We can all define. But it's something. It's something. You think it's something out of the biological mechanisms in our head? Yeah. Well, it's, aren't, aren't you and I both made of God? So it's interesting, so, right? It's so like, crazy. It's. Yeah. And then I remember asking you that there were no thoughts of like mm. your closest loved one or I was you, like, yeah. you weren't thinking about anything outside of like pure peace and mm-hmm. bliss and just being uplifted into right just whatever was next. Like you were almost willing, like, all right, quit fighting. It's good. Just yeah. relax and go with what's about to happen. Yeah. Like, what is that dude? I mean, it's so fascinating. Isn't it like uh, a virtue to learn when to let go? You know, virtue, like, isn't that one of the main virtues? I don't know. But it was like this release of the tension that I felt from fighting so bad. Even that those short minutes, like, I just remember feeling light and just feeling, like, peaceful, like, equanimous with, like, everything around me. Even though it seemed so bad, it was weird. It was so weird. Was it bad up to a point? Because, correct me if I'm wrong, is when mm-hmm. you were describing it, it was, like, fight, fight, fight anxiety what the hell's happening and then it gets to a threshold where it's like boom yeah no you're then done done and then eventually i remember right when i was getting compressions boom i was back fighting and i could feel like somebody just pushing on my chest and then i i passed out again i didn't uh go through another experience but then i remember then eventually waking up in an ambulance which i thought was like the my van i was like what are these people doing in my van and then because my van was an empty shell at that point. But I was in an ambulance. I was so confused. And, um, you know, they're in blue shirts, blah, blah, blah. And, like, I pass out again. And then eventually I get to the hospital, Mission Hospital in Mission Viejo. Um, And right then and there, I was able to, like, say words. So they knew that, like, maybe my brain was still functioning and I had, like, enough oxygen. But at this point, they're like, um, he's 50-50. Like, he's not responding to the medication we're giving him. And every time we touch them, the machines go off, like beep, 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 you know? And then I went into cardiac arrest again, twice in the ER. And then they they resuscitated me once in the ER. And then that later that night, I went code blue, which is like cardiac arrest, cardiac arrest, everybody, all hands on deck. And I think, hmm. It's hard. It's it's interesting because I'm I wasn't awake during this time. <laughs> so you were out this entire. Yeah, time. I was out this time. So I mean, I obviously don't remember anything from the hospital until waking up. So the last thing you remember was but, yeah. being in the ambulance. Being in the ambulance, and then boom, boom, everything in the like, hospital. Who is this? Is all just accounts from other people? This is you? yeah, accounts from my dad, my friends, and uh, yeah. So when I was in the hospital admission, they gave me a fifty-fifty chance. Um, We'll see how he goes, or how, we'll see how he ends up tonight. And during this time, um, my dad had to make some like executive decisions about what to do next. Um, so what they did, I, f- I forget what exactly what they did to me because the night I went in, there was already signs that my organs and my kidneys were already decomposing, like because my heart had stopped and my lungs were just not working correctly. So. Due to COVID, due to all the research COVID has caused for a lot of me- uh, medical teams, um, they were able to, they thought it was like COVID related because my lungs are so full of liquid and blood and blah, blah, blah. They were like, oh, maybe he had COVID, went out and his cardiovascular system got stressed. 
So they were they knew because of COVID that to flip me over, and that was able to drain out my my lungs and cause me to stabilize just a little bit. And they were able to put in an impeller pump. An impeller pump acts like a pump um, on your left ventricular. They attached a pump to my heart, and they were able to like allow me to like pump blood slowly to stabilize me. The next this is the next day, so the 29th. Okay. And so on the 29th, they're like, we have a small window of opportunity to send him to Scripps in La Jolla, San Diego. They have a really nice, really nice um, cardiovascular institute, Presby's. Um, so they flew me in a helicopter for, uh, I think it took 20 minutes to get there. They flew me in a helicopter, like this helicopter just had some whole medical team. It looked like an ER and helicopter. I saw pictures of it after. Gnarly. Yeah. And uh, they were able to fly me to Scripps, took them 20 minutes. And then that same night, the helicopter lands. There's 10 doctors that rush out to come get me. And then um, in the event, I mean, let's say this is around 10, 10 at night, maybe 10 at night. And uh, there's 10 doctors come get me. And then right then and there, they put me into the operating room. They hooked me to the ECMO machine, um, which is a machine that acts as your heart and your lungs. It's like this machine that's like, there's all these like stacks of medicine, blah, 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 all these like buttons and tubes coming out. It looks like, have you ever seen uh, The Matrix where Neo is like, hooked into the machine in yeah, a way. He's got those, that up. What's got the name of the machine? That's what my dad said it looked like. What's the oh, name e- of it? ECMO machine. ECMO? ECMO. And on top of that, I was hooked into the impella pump as well. Dude. Yeah. ECMO. Let's check this out. Is that it? Yeah. So you see, I was like kind of going into the groin area. Yeah. So where were these incisions? These where incisions did they enter? were made um, in my groin area, my right leg. Into the main artery into there? Into the main artery and then out the other leg and to the other arteries, so it act as so it was circulating. You see, and then I also uh, had the impeller pump stuck in me, so I literally just was in bed with all these tubes and wires, and then I had a wire in my neck. I don't know why exactly. Jeez Louise! And so this begs the question: from what you were saying, when you were hooked up to all this stuff, mm-hmm. weren't you in some sort of what was it, a psychosis? Is that yeah. So um, when I got to the hospital. I was still fighting f- to get out of the out of the bed, so they had to put me in a medically induced coma. Well, on top of that, my organs were just failing, and they were just like, "We don't know what to do." Like he's not responding to the medication, so they so they just kept sedating me, and then still had the medication up to a hundred, right? And then, um, do you know what this medication was at this point? No, I don't know. There's, I could give you the list. Uh, it's all good. I'm just, curious. <laughs> I'm just curious. Like if someone's in that state, what it was like, like, dude, it was like 200, th- 200 things of medication. You, yeah. It was all like, you know, it wasn't like I was popping it. I wasn't obviously I had it like in yeah. my um, IV and stuff. So you're, you go immediately into surgery. You're hooked up to mm-hmm. these machines and yeah. how long was surgery? Was it successful right away? So the impeller pump was successful because it allowed me to stabilize for a little short time. Um, you know, Grant, can you pull up an image? Let's do the one in the. Okay, so is that where they entered into you? I don't know if that's a specific one. That that does not look like. Go the back one. real quick, know. Grant. Let's do. Um, keep going up. 
That one right there, yeah. Yeah, let's 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 look at that Zoom one. Zoom in on that. Mm-hmm. Something That's like gnarly. that. So it's basically pumping blood for you, like. Yeah, it's allowing the left ventricular to pump blood. Because it was Incredible. my heart was so weak, it was pulsing at a very slow pace, kind of withering out at some points. So you initially, know? you wasn't the diagnosis that it was going too fast. Yeah, and so that caused it to go weak. Basically, it caused it to go weak. So it was never like stable. Okay, it was always just like do 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 or down here where I'm just like, okay, is this kid gonna make it? I see. Yeah. And uh, so we're, you're in surgery and what happens? So impeller pump was the first surgery and then I get to Scripps, flown to Scripps. That's the second surgery. That's uh, hook me up to ECMO. Okay. And if this, if I don't come back from the, they call it the last resort machine in the hospital. It's like the, the last, oh the last go at life. And uh, you know, if this doesn't help, nothing's going to help. And uh, eventually like the first night I started to, I woke up the next night. I started to come back alive. I was just, you know, my organs started to come back. It wasn't like I was fantastic or anything. Were you conscious, still unconscious? I was, but just I think back? I was still unconscious. You know, when you're under that amount, amount of drugs and your sedation, it's just like, you don't know what's real and not real. You know, you're in a psychosis pretty much. Psychosis. So this would have been the 30th. Yeah. This roughly around there. Okay. Yeah. And um, when you were in this psychosis, we were talking briefly about it. Yeah. Like you went through this array of what felt like almost a dream state for however many days it was, five or so days where yeah. you were like, even <laughs> though you're out, you're hooked up to all of these machines and mm-hmm. yeah, you, you describe what it was like. Cause you said you were, you well, were in this it, it's crazy, crazy state for a couple of days. Cause you yeah. were still like conscious, even though you were unconscious. Yeah. Um, at the time it just, I felt like I had the, it's so, imagine having the consciousness of a five-year-old child staring at things around you and not able to make sense of any of it. And going through this like deep, dark adventure of, um, yeah, just what your mind can take you. Your mind can take you to some dark places. And uh, there were a lot of nuances in there that had um, similarities to what had ha- actually happened in reality. Like the, uh, like the nurses were all there, but they they might have been different people. Um, and the setting was pretty clear that it was at a hospital. It wasn't like my whole world changed. No, I was at a hospital. I felt the presence of female nurses. I felt the presence of male nurses, male doctors, female doctors. I felt the, I felt the presence of my dad and my aunt, Grace, who's a doctor, who was there most of the journey. Um, but it was a series of making sense of everything but then again my mind wasn't able to make sense of what was actually happening see i had no idea i was in the hospital for a surfing incident or cardiac incident so none of that made sense to me um so now we go into the crazy part which is the psychosis and i'll I'll get into detail about it please do (laughs) it's fucking trippy dude so um i remember i was sitting in a a dark black space hooked up to not necessarily hooked up to anything like all that was in this space was my veins and my eyeballs and my mouth and not even my skin or any of my organs it was just like my nervous system essentially just splat in this dark room and I was just I would look around and it felt like I had been in that dark room for like three days in my uh, psychosis time 
which was very, very long. It's not, nobody, please, nobody, <laughs> don't go there. Um, yeah. Do you have very, a visual representation? Yeah, so I have a visual representation. It was represent- literally the system just spread out in a black, black space. space. Whoa. Um, and then eventually, I remember, boom, I woke up. This is when I start to see, like, physical things, like a table, uh, a random dude, um, my my toes, my fingers. But when penis. you say wake up, you're still unconscious. I'm still unconscious. Right? Okay, so so this is all everyone, just like, so everyone knows you're still It's like under. inception, you know, when you're just, yeah. like, going from dream to dream <laughs> to dream. That's what it felt like. Yeah, and yeah. They all tied into each other because they all had the same, con- like, set, like, setting, vibe. Okay. You know, and I'm, I still have, like, the consciousness of a five-year-old. Like, I feel, like, dumb. I can't think. I can't make sense of anything. You're just making I'm observations. Just, you're just, like, table. Table. Person. person like, okay. Like, what's going on? Why am I, why, why, why am I here? And then I started to, like, rationalize it. And it was, uh, I had asked for this specific surgery that would allow me to live forever. And um, this surgery was, like, a little, like, capsule that was like supposed to be wedged into my skull or like my my brain area. It was like a cat, like into the cavity of my brain. And that specific thing would allow me to wake up in this like AI suit. Um, That was like this really like delicate, not delicate thing, but it was like perfect fine tuned. It looked like me and it had my like, my like figure, but my like toes would light up. And that's when I was like, oh, what the, what's, what is this? Why is my toe lighting up? Why, why does my penis, why is my penis attached to my thigh and coming out a little thing? And uh, it was really interesting because I woke up in this like body bag and then I got up, was placed on a, on a, a, a table in the hospital. And then all these like sketchy guys that were part of the surgery, like putting me, putting the membrane into me, just like dispersed, everybody dispersed. And then these curtains fall. And then you just see nurses like walk in with like this mass confusion of like what why why is why is this person here why we can't take care of this person he's not real, um, and then everyone's just confused everyone's like what the fuck is going on you know and the nurses are like I can't believe he did this to us they're talking about like the corporate doctor who's trying to push med- medicine into like a into like he's trying to merge like the natural way of doing things yeah by the uh, like the uh, and the 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 natural way of doing things and like the technological logical way of doing things and merging those two. She's like, he's a real person. So you were in, uh, you were inside the curtains with all these dudes that were giving you a really weird vibe. Yeah. At this point they're operating on a body that you said is like AI. It's like you, but it's not you. So it, it it's me. My, I remember my eyes okay. and my nerves, but and is everything it first else. person or are it's you up above looking like, down. It's literally like how the camera's looking at me right now. It's like, like that. Well, but, but I'm the camera, so well, okay. So it is first it. person. So it's first person. So no, that would be second person because right? you're you're looking at yourself being operated. No, on. no, I'm looking through my own eyes. Okay, got it. First person. So then the curtains fall, and then you're in like yeah a real. World. I'm in this like love and hate relationship with the medical staff, and you said it's because you're battling between like the natural way of doing things and them hooking you up to this system that is going to make you live forever. Yes. Well, instead of naturally just dying and well, okay. So that it's almost like you went into this state Mm -hmm. and your body 
hence the peacefulness, the just going out, just let it happen, blah, blah, blah. And here we have these amazing medical devices that kept yeah, you alive. Right. And in your psychosis, you're almost going through this, this battle <laughs> of like, wait, wait, why did they do this to me? Like it was almost a bad thing yeah, that they yeah. were saving you and yeah. keeping you alive. That's how, Is I that, think that's, right? you know, there's a million ways we could like write the, write yeah, the story yeah, that happened. And, you know, I've talked about this with friends and we've all tried to make sense of, you know, the bits and pieces. Like, why was that person there? Oh, that was probably my mom, like trying to tuck me in, you know, in the middle of the night or like um, why something was glued to my leg. That was a part of like the membrane where the mem- membrane came, came from China and they put it in my head and that person was just trying to piss like me off by gluing <laughs> that like the the logo to my thigh yeah. and be like fuck you you deal with this dude do you think maybe it's because like i don't think being my do- out your your body humans just try to make sense of things no matter what yeah and this is almost a case where even if you're unconscious and out your body still knows it's getting an incision in your th- the artery in your thigh. It still knows mm-hmm. your heart's being manipulated, your head, yeah. whatever it is. It's when the and then you're just in like a dream state, just trying to figure out what the hell's it. going and on. It's an interesting like segue into like you know the body knows. You know, listen to your body. The mind try might try to rationalize things, and you know I think inherently we're very very attuned to how our body feels. So. But with that being said, you're, that st- you're stoked that they did all the stoked. <laughs> you're stoked they kept you alive and like, did yeah. the heart insert. I'm 100 percent intact, and you know, at the time, the psychosis was just like this terrible, terrible thing. But at this, I didn't know what was going on. I just remember, um, you know, moments of it was like just testing my faith, and it was like my capacity to like, I was like, don't give up. That's the only thing that was going in my head. You with the five year old consciousness that I had, I just I just felt dumb. Didn't know what was going on. My brain was just like so slot, like mess, messy, and I would just see pieces of people. Um, and you know, the nurses would walk down the hallway. The door would be open, and they would just like yell stuff, like "Look at him! He thinks he's gonna live forever." Like I feel bad for him. I feel bad for people who think they're gonna live forever. Oh my god! They would you say that. Them say that. Yeah, they would, they would say that walking down the hallways, and it would just keep coming. Like, and then you know, one of the rent rent a person would be right next to me because that was a part of like the installation of the membrane like you had to have this person next to me say that again rent a person rent a person okay yeah essentially you're in a from like malaysia malaysia they didn't know what they were doing they're like 14 year old girls just sitting at my bedside okay just taking care of me and like making sure nothing bad like i don't do anything like rip the cords out and the nurses would be like why are they here like why are you guys here you guys should be outside with your friends playing Whoa. Yeah, it was a trippy. And, you know, they would change every 24 hours and then a new one would come in. I went through like three or four. Rent a person. Yeah. <laughs> and how long do you feel weird. like you were in this state? Uh, it felt like f- six f- to five days, maybe. And it was pretty much this cycle just repeating. There wasn't anything yeah. like particular that happened it was outside of that scope. It was so there battle was back that and forth. darkness that I was in that yeah. space, waking up in that room, and then eventually it was like these long nights of not sleeping, um, and then being poked at and pried at by like the, the medical team and like trying to figure out why there's anarchy between like the new way of doing things and like the court, like the, the technological way of doing things and the, the natural way of doing things, and how all these like nurses and doctors are butting heads with each other and they wouldn't operate on me because they were just like, "He's not real. We don't want to do this." That's your responsibility, so-and-so. 
up the corporate ladder. He's not real. He's not real. He's not a real person. Like, that's not right. We can't do this. This goes against my values and ethics. And at the Did time, I'm just... Did figure sitting, out why, I, why were they saying this I don't isn't know. a real person? It was I really, the I, dream state? It was a dream state. So what... Oh God, that's fucking insane, yeah. dude. That's so trippy. So what happens when you wake up? Do you feel yourself... There's, yeah. Were I mean, you able to did. like reflect and like, holy shit, I just came from that no. inception dream. Um, so it was a process of waking up. So it would be like slowly I'd start to see things that made sense, but they still didn't make sense. So I would like be, there was the last day of me being in a psychosis. I remember this like night and day. I was wearing these like veneers that were like embedded into my eyes and I had like, this i'd look down i could see like all this like fabrication that was like underneath my neck it was weird you know when you play like a like terminator terminator and you could see like his chest yeah that's what it looked like and but <laughs> yeah and i was looking down and i was just like remember and then you know later that day i started to like i had like my dad told me i had an allergic reaction to this specific drug called the haldol and um it's a set it's i think it's like sedative sedative maybe and I remember I was like trying to hide from my dad and my aunt because I didn't want them to see me. And it was because I was having an allergic reaction. I was making these like faces that were like very horrific. Their account, you were making these faces. Yeah, yeah, their account and my Whoa. account as well. So that was like, okay, that's what happened. I was just having an allergic reaction to a drug. And then within the psychosis, yeah. when you say hiding, I was you hiding because I didn't out want Out of them your to, bed at this I point and you were like moving? No, no, no. I wasn't walking at this point. My legs are too frail so you so you feel like you were hiding but you were just still in the bed i was hiding from them because i didn't want them to see me in that state and but they they the doctor was like he's just having an allergic reaction but i didn't know that i thought i was like in a vegetable state yeah yeah but the timeline of like what was actually that's when i happening. started to have more like coherent and like ability to like see things like that's my aunt that's my dad and i just felt like a vegetable like i was just like like my my head was jolting that way and I would just like roll my neck and like my mouth would go this way. I'd be drooling. My hands were just like doing the craziest Whoa. things. Um, and then I could just see my dad walk into the room and he's just like crying because to his knowledge, like my brain was okay. <laughs> and then, yeah, it was just, it was just crazy. And then he thought you were like brain dead based on their allergic or reaction. something. Yeah. I had, yeah, you know, my, the, cause they weren't able to do an MRI on me the night I came into the hospital cause I was hooked into those machines. Yeah. I was too yeah. sensitive. So, um, yeah. So how long were you out before you woke up? I don't know that for like... The Not in the psychosis, but like the actual days from your dad's um, point of view, like a someone's account. I woke up on the 9th of October. Okay. So that was probably like the 28th, 6th, 7th, 8th, 9th. Yeah, yeah. So it happened on the 28th. Uh-huh. I was in the second uh, hospital. Second hospital. Next day at night. Hooked up to ventilator, ECMO. Had a tube down my neck. Oh, like, ventilator. Yeah, I was on a ventilator. I was on everything. Sheesh. Yeah. Like Did it, you have a sore or like a soft? Yeah, it was, it was pretty gnarly after. And I was just like, gosh, man. Because <laughs> that's another thing with COVID too. The, the, the research that's come out is yeah. people that are put on ventilators, it was like bad. We thought that was saving everyone initially. Yeah. And it was breathing for you. And then your lungs would basically right. just turn off. Turn off, right. Holy crap. Okay, so you wake up on the 9th. Uh-huh. And do you remember, like, the exact moment? Waking up? 
of waking up like was there any thought of like holy shit i'm here or did you truly just not know what happened um i woke up that's how simple it was literally and then i was happy as fuck i remember just seeing like a an actual like nurse's assistant like i was like dude you feel like not shady like you don't feel like any of these other people that my psychiatrist was telling me about (laughs) and i was like so happy i remember i was just like i felt like i was just like i was blissed out even though i it looked bad still like i was in bandages you know things were pumped in being pumped into me um i just woke up and eventually i could see my dad and my aunt come to the room and just like gave me so many hugs and kisses and like you know, and the first thing my dad told me is like, man, you, t- you challenged my attachments to you as my son, as your dad. He's like, you put me through the ringer and I, I knew that I couldn't be present for everybody else that I was going through this and present for you if, you know, if I was just a- attached to, to the outcome, to the future outcome of what was going to happen. Dude, so that's so like, heavy. No parent yeah. wants to outlive their yeah. child, you know? Yeah, it's it was... It's it's a it's a heavy story, but you know there's no bad ending to to this one, and I was very fortunate to be amongst so many people that knew what to do right away. You know these like things that happen in perfect timing in like this ball of chaos, from like Aaron pushing me into the perfect wave, from those two lifeguards being able to help Aaron Austin to get me to shore, to the guy giving me compressions, to the ambulance being there at the same exact time, to me getting to the hospital, you know, to the doctor flipping me, up, flipping me over, draining out my lungs because of this pandemic, because he found out that's probably what we should do because the lungs are compromised. So um, they don't know exactly what started the they don't heart know. infection, but they think it's something along the lines of long-term yeah, COVID. They, th- they think, I mean, I think it, it was a virus and how... You were in Costa Rica, right? I was in Costa Rica 2019. At the end? The end of 2019? September, yes. Yeah. September through October. Yeah. So kind of there. Yeah. You don't know if you contracted anything there because then it would have been November, December, January, February, March. Right. Okay. I I don't think it was anything of that sort. I think I just, I was stressing out my cardiovascular system and allowed, uh, allowed some little virus to get in there and fuck with it. Did you ever have any other days in your training for Ironman where you felt like, fuck, maybe something's a little off? Um, so I did. I so I did pass out while running, and I remember. I remember that like four months later, I was like, oh, I thought I, was, I thought I had like a heat stroke. I was running in uh, Santiago Oaks, right? Uh, you know where that is? Yeah, yeah. And I was at like the bottom part where it's all shaded, and I just remember just like pacing, running a little bit faster, obviously. So my heart was going a little bit faster, and I just fell to my knees. And I was like, wow, like I need water. So, and I passed out and I remember I was on my hands and knees. I got, I was able to like knock myself out of it because I was just breathing so fast and like, I just slowed it down. I was like, oh, I got this. You were by yourself. I was by myself. Um, And then I called my brother. I was like, bro, can you, I can't run anymore. Like I I need you to come get me. I think I just, I'm having a heat stroke. (laughs) And it could have been that. It could have been been that. It could have been the heart, but that was... It felt very similar to how I felt paddling out. Yeah. Um, so you're in the hospital coming to, like, feeling all the love from your family and... And homies went, and friends. Yeah, it's it's freaking amazing, dude. I'm, I remember seeing on social media, like, Austin was posting a lot about what happened to you. Yeah. And we sent in our videos, and they were trying to put that together just to show you that people were 
Yeah. Like Karen and sending you the love. Um, when, when did you like truly feel yourself from when you woke up? How long did it take to where you're like, holy Man, crap, my brain's still here. I, I, that's, that's a good question. Cause you know, I think, or did yeah. you never come back the same person? I definitely, I definitely haven't. And you know, there's, there's good days and there's bad days, you know, there's days where I just feel like, wow, what the fuck just happened? And there's days like, I am so grateful. I feel like Mr. Zen, you know, Buddhist monk, you know, Jesus <laughs> walking on this earth. And, and, you know, I just, I respect the process of, you know, healing from something traumatic and learning from how I was living prior to, to how I want to live now, which is like, you know, season this life full of grace and, you know, try to move forward in a, an authentic way, like just listening to my body and like, you know, loving, pe- man, I can't tell you how it felt to hug my dad. I can't tell you how, how good it felt to hug, you know, all my homies, you know, it so, was just like, I, it felt like a part of me was hugging, you know, like life itself. It was crazy. It, it's just insane. I feel like. And you would have yeah. never, ever gotten that feeling yeah, or think, that perspective if mm-hmm. this NDE would have happened. Yeah. I think before then we were all at a time where COVID was just like creating a divide between people, you know, you know, right versus left was creating a divide between people. So it was really hard to like find a sense of like peace and stillness with all this like chaos going around us. Um, and I was running around frantically trying to find that, you know, finding it in resource, accumulating resources, you know, trying to figure out new business opportunities, trying to, you know, like work party. out intensely. Yeah. I wasn't partying then. Remember, no. we were social distancing. <laughs> so, um, no, yeah, sub- just, no substances like no <laughs> on the low key, no substances. I yeah. was, I was pretty good at for the most part. Um, yeah, it was interesting cause it just felt like when that happened to me, I was kind of losing faith in humanity itself, but it was awesome just to see so many people come together. Even like, you know, you reaching out to me or, you know, my, my dad, like just dropping his life to like be present so and my mom too you know and just like okay what can we do for justin and my aunt and like you know they had to make decisions you know everybody had to make decisions and you know they made the best decisions they could and i'm still 100 percent intact yeah it's just crazy to me that like the humanness that we're all missing sometimes just shows up in a time of dire circumstances it's unfortunate that it takes it takes these <laughs> events for, to bring that out of us, right? Because yeah. it's yeah. the same thing um, with nine eleven, or I know COVID was traumatic for a lot of people, but it's still it right. gives like something common to fight against. Um, people come together after events like nine eleven. It takes something super traumatic like that to kind of snap you out of the the day to day routine, just being caught up in your own bullshit. And especially mental with masturbation a, is y- what I like to call it. Mental <laughs> masturbation. Yeah, that's true. Uh, it's like people find their crutches. You get addicted to it. Exactly. And it's just, what, what are these like patterns that I create in my day to day life that make me feel kind of peaceful, but maybe a little stuck. Yeah, exactly. And within a family unit, I mean, there's people that go through this thousands every day where mm-hmm. you it, there's something so traumatic that happens that kind of brings everyone together. If someone's as lucky like yourself to come out on the other yeah, side yeah. and it, I can only imagine like what your dad was going through too, and your family. Yeah. My friends and it, too. And everybody you, you just see, you know, I think 
um, a lot of my homies, they all got closer and closer. Just, you know, remind themselves of like, life is right here. Like, we're all here. That's a good thing, you know? Just like in being present. Yeah. That was a common thread that you brought up when we were talking yeah, before. Yeah, I mean, I think most of my life was just kind of like distracting myself with vices, with people, things. Um, to distract myself from like listening to myself, right? And, you know, when I started to like kind of just be intimate with like how I was living and, you know, feel the, you know, like s see something for the first time, feel something for the first time again. It's kind of, it kind of goes back to like dying and living and dying and living to like the old idea of yourself. And that's all done in the present moment. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I just, you know, I've spent a lot of time, you know, just in suffering in my own head. Um, and I don't want people to continue doing that to themselves because it sucks. You know, nobody wants to be in a dark space. Because when you were there at the end. Yeah that puts in perspective like what really matters and the problems that people complain about yeah sometimes are <laughs> so just surface level yeah I and just through hearing your story it it definitely puts things in perspective for me yeah and um i was even telling you that like when i was leaving the gym a couple weeks ago like there was this young man who like flagged me down mm -hmm. and i'm like oh what is that? i took out my headphones and he uh he wanted me to grab his wheelchair out of the back of uh, his car so he can get out of the driver's seat and go uh, work out. And it's just another instance where I'm like, God, like you, you need to put things in perspective. Sometimes people don't do that. Mm -hmm. You get caught up in judging, like even within your own family unit, like your dad judging you, you judging your dad, judging your brother or whatever it is. We yeah. just always have these judgments and then you, God forbid something happens it puts in check what like what really matters and like your ability to love the capacity yeah. I imagine you have to love yeah. like friends and family and yeah. your significant other. It's just, it's totally different now. Mm -hmm. And also you give off a whole new energy, man, when you just open yourself up to loving instead of like building up these like walls from another human being based on ideologies and concepts that don't really like pertain to like the human in us all, you yeah. know? Oh, it's just super stoked to have you here <laughs> still with us. So yeah. what has it been like? Um, um, you, you mentioned the, the, the bad days sometimes. I oh want to dig in on that because it takes mental fortitude right. to be like, why, why did this happen to me? You can't be can't go happy. Yeah. You can't be go happy, lucky all the time. You know that yeah. you're going to have your good and bad days. So I, was, through that? I was released around the hospital um, October 14th. And at that time I had gotten a, ICD in place, a defibrillator, implantable defibrillator in place, placed inside my my uh, my lat here on the left hand side, um, and you know I thought we all thought everything was great that we didn't know. Okay, this is just a one off thing. So weird how this happened. Um, very very strange. No one knew what the heck was going on. No one knew if it was a virus at the time or genetic, some genetic thing that runs in my family. Even um, at the point of being released, they still yeah, didn't know. Still exactly. didn't know it. They're okay. like, "Just go home, live your life. We'll keep you on the, these meds called uh, I forgot what it was called that sedate you. So they they control your heart's rhythm. They allow they only allow it to like stay a certain way. So if I were to like try to run, I'd get winded. Um, and uh, yeah, I was in a cardiovascular rehab, doing the cardio machine slowly. Like guys were like 
helping me walk and stuff like that. So I was getting either, I was like really happy to be alive and I knew I was going to come back because I just felt it. Like every day was just like this exponential like jump. You know, I started to gain more weight. I was eating like two, like 2,500 calories a meal. Like, you know, I had like two, two chefs in the kitchen cooking for me at all times. <laughs> like, I was like, I need to eat. <laughs> yeah. This is, I, I looked skinny. Um, that was, that was fun. I wish they would come back and cook for me. Uh, was it bomb food? <laughs> yeah. Bomb food. It was my mom and my grandma and like, you know, my aunt. Everyone's like, still taking care of me. Everyone's just taking care of me for like a good month. Good month. Um, so you're under rehab. I'm and under rehab. I'm feeling the warmth of everybody. And then, you know, I start to like, the, the novelty of it starts to fade. The like, yeah, uh, yeah. like I love, like the love. And I, I start to feel very alone. And, you know, the darkness starts to settle in. And it's because of the anxiety of this thing going off. And then eventually I went out to skateboard. Um, no, actually, first I'd gotten COVID. So my friends and I decided, because I was just stoked to like start walking and like hanging out with friends. We all like hung out one day. And then that was when COVID was really bad in Orange County. And then uh, I got COVID. Um, and that was terrible because my immune system was already shot. And I was sent back into the ER room. So I spent another couple of days there. And then I come out. My 14 days are still going. I'm like being treated by people in hazmat suits and stuff like that. So I'm just going like nuts at this point. I'm like, what, what was the time difference between when you got out and when you contracted COVID? Uh, so October to November and around November 14th, like 13th or something. So like that. not too far away from everything no. you went through. And did they instantly send you back into the ER just because they knew you were going to be really compromised or did you get really, really bad symptoms that sent you back in? Um, so actually what had happened was I went skateboarding with all, all my friends and I, we just like were this big pity party of COVID getters. Mm -hmm. We all hung out together. <laughs> I won't name names because they'll just get mad at me. You're like, we got Maybe. it all together. Yeah, we, we're just like, oh, this sucks. Let's just like play poker and watch TV and have COVID together. Why not? <laughs> and then, yeah. And then, uh, you know, we were just skateboarding one day. And then I was just like, oh, man, like, I feel good. Like, I can skate. Like, this is cool. I still got, I still got like the, the skating in me. And I like was just doing tricks right and left, like having fun with the homies. And then I like get off my board. And then my heart starts to go haywire again. I was like, about to pass out i just was standing there about to pass out and i just get this shock to my heart it was my icd going off um and then at that time i was sent my they took me back to the er i was in there for a couple of days and that's when they're like oh you also have covid yeah okay so you no no COVID. no no. i had i knew i had covid i had tested positive and uh -huh. then eventually i went back into the er because of the uh, defibrillator shocking oh, me got it and what did that feel like it feels like you're getting kicked in the chest by a horse essentially what the fuck yeah and you're just like you jolt you know you just like jolt your whole body just like doesn't it doesn't make you pass out it makes you go like limber but um so your heart was beating my heart, too my heart fast, was beating too fast and then it boom like yeah relax yeah I, let me see if i have like a paper, paper to show you paper to show you what it looks like I'll this is what it, it looks out. like what do we got so right there is my heart being analyzed by the device and it's going at where is this area here it's like the bpm to shock zone 250, shock zone 250. and it it shocks me right here you see how it reads um right here sensing 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 uh -huh. the t means tachycardia so it means my heart's going really fast sensing tachycardia 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 uh, charge 
And then I think at like point something seconds, it shocks me. To get it back to the state. To get it back to the, to the to normal rhythm. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's super crazy. My shit. Um. Does it have my address on there? I'm just kidding. We'll block it out. Full SECG report treated. Yeah. Boston Scientific. That's fucking nuts, dude. Isn't that cool? Here's another one, too. This is from uh, so my shock in kicked April. in the chest by a horse. My shock in April. This one I had two shots. Oh, so they this is lifetime data. They they're this pulling lifetime. this. Okay. Um, I didn't even connect the dots. That's incredible. That's my shock from when I was grabbing my girlfriend's hand. Yes, I want to hear this story. <laughs> the, oh man, the the, uh, the shock of so, love. So these two shocks here: the one of me skateboarding and the one of me grabbing my girlfriend's hand break that down from your djing um, on a boat right? i was djing on a boat um for a friend's party and i was i was off my medication so this is the reason why i was on a weak medication on the first shock the one that was skateboarding and then eventually they put me on stronger medication and then my heart was okay but then during that time of of waiting to hear what was going on because they still didn't know. The doctors were, like, trying to figure it out. And then um, during that time, they were, they put me on stronger medication. And then my defibrillator was just going off randomly. Like, I was riding my my uh, a bike, a tandem bike with my housemate. And I got shocked. And we, like, did a fat bunny hop. And he was, like, laughing. He was like, bro, that was sick. And I was like, dude, I just got shocked. And then at that time, they were like, something's up. So they went to go check me. They realized that, like, the, the signal in the ICD was bad. So... Jeez. I they were like, okay, well, we're gonna just up the dose of medication, and then we'll see what happens next. And then eventually, the next next like two weeks go by, and then I got shocked again while doing yoga. I still couldn't like exercise or anything, so I was just like frustrated. I was like, I felt like I was trapped in my own body. Is this your third shock? This is my third shock. Skateboard, bike, Skate- yoga. Skateboard, bike, yoga. So you're All like, these, like activities I love, dude. You're like fuck. Like this is supposed to be helping me, but right. it's malfunctioning. Like, yeah fuck is this gonna end like yeah you know and then eventually in january they brought me into surgery of this year 21 yeah, tw- okay. 2021 or 20 yeah 2021 like around january 13th or something like that and they cut they cut me open they they moved the piece of the uh the icd they moved it up and out a little bit to like pick up the signaling and they were able to like grab the lead that runs right here and position it closer to my heart mm-hmm. um, or on top of it. This was after? And then the signal picked up. Yes, this was after the... The, the girlfriend? No, this is before the girlfriend. Okay, okay. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, timelines are all f- messed up. No, this no, you're good. I'm just, just trying to give everyone a clear <laughs> things. Okay, so they open you back up. Yeah. And, and then they, and then and, and between the the random shocks, they were like, dude, there's something, like, why'd you guys send him home? we it says right here in the paperwork, like there's something wrong with his electrophys- the electrophysiology of his heart. There's scarring, like near his left ventricular um, artery or something like that. And um, yeah, my doctor, my electrophysiologist, was able to find it. And when they went to go reposition the ICD, they were able to um, like kind of tease it. They were like trigger. They triggered a. They triggered. They like did an electro. I forget what it's called. I should be doing my homework before I hop on these. No, you're fine. So they're testing yeah, oh, they didn't the location. E- they did an EPS study. So went to st- they went to go study the heart, see where the, the scarring was, the myocarditis, what the myocarditis caused. 
and test it and see if that was a spot. And they found the spot and they're like, okay, like you need to have an ablation done. And um, they said, we can't do the ablation right now because COVID has swarmed our hospitals. Like we need to have these beds, these ICU beds open, blah, 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 and all this stuff. So I waited till April, from January to April to get that ablation surgery done. Um, yeah, it was a long time of like just feeling like I was just trapped in my body and it couldn't move. It was crazy. Because they still wanted exercise. Exercise yeah. was limited at this yeah, point. And they had me on like a a, a, do- a good dosage of Sotalol, um, which is a beta blocker. And it kind of just like dulled out. me out. And I didn't have like this zest for life attitude i did but like at this like i try to like go running and i would just feel like i'm gonna pass out mm-hmm. um yeah so they located the scar tissue in january in january and that led to them figuring out the the virus no the virus or is the still va- we don't know what the virus was we know that it was a virus we don't what's the name again what was it called the what the actual infection um, so myocarditis, myocarditis is inflammation sorry. of the heart muscle. Oh, okay. It's caused by a virus or trauma to the heart. And they don't know. They don't know where it came from. They just knew the myocarditis and the scar tissue. Yeah, it's a symptom of the scar, of, or not a symptom, but of the virus caused myocarditis. Caused me to go to ventricular tachycardia, which is a type of cardiac arrest, essentially, that I was going through, how what my heart was doing. And... Um, what I needed done was an ablation to remove that scar tissue, which was the size of half a penny um, on the left side of my heart. So I did the ablation surgery, um, I believe, like f- around 427, around that time, yeah. And since April then, 27th. everything's been chill. Everything's been chill, amazing. I'm off the meds, and I'm just, you know, feeling feeling good again, so... Do you want to show the camera what it looks like? You don't have to. You don't want to. No, I think I think I I won't do that just yet. <laughs> That's <laughs> chill. I think you did it before, but we were off yeah, air. Yeah. That's gnarly, man. You literally have this little piece of machinery, bro. Just right there. Yeah. And it's still its job in case something were to happen. It's, it's alive. Yeah, it's it's alive and well. It's it's dormant, and if it needs to come, it's gonna shock me. But you know, there's been no signs of heart palpitations or anything like that. So happy to hear it. Yeah. I'm alive and taking God, those January to April, those months of just waiting for this surgery. You you literally know now like something's wrong with me internally. Yeah. Like they've identified it. Yeah. And now I'm just being told to wait. And just dose myself out with more medication. It was, it was, it was a gnarly time, but um, I also was prolonging it because I was afraid of the ablation itself. So. I was just kind of fed up with surgery. I was just fed up. I was just like, I don't want to be in the hospital anymore. Yeah. And then, you know, when I got shocked twice on the boat. Oh, yeah, yeah, the boat. So what happened? (laughs) You want to hear the the start to a a love love. story? Oh, yeah. So I was was on a boat DJing um, in San Diego, and I went to grab my girlfriend's hand, Nikita. And at the time, we hadn't, you know, been kissing or anything so it was it was you know it caused some heart palpitations and then boom i got shocked and then i went to go sit down and i got shocked again and eventually i was like we need to go we need to go we need to get get to shore by that time the party was ending at nine and then uh it was perfect timing too so i was o- able to like slip away from the party leave all my gear there and then yeah i just went back to, ho- to the hotel and slept 
I was like, I'm not going to the hospital. I know I'm okay. Yeah. And then I, and then the next morning, I was like, I just like kind of just like eased into, you know, doing things again. Um, and then I think that was a Saturday, Sunday, and then Monday I went in and got my ablation done. Dang. So it was that nervous feeling of that you like someone. You yeah, know, your heart crazy. always beats when your you're, when your you're first going to make a move. You're I just going to grab her hand and literally yeah. your heart's like, fuck off, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> like, <hits> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so funny. Dude, the power of love. Yeah, the and power of love. It'll cause your defibrillator to go Right, off. right. That's just That's just it. The power of love, man. Kept me alive, too. Well, your new lease on life, do you have, uh, like, any new goals or are you kind of just taking it easy with, like, oh, now that I have this, I have to do X? Or is it more of taking a step back, kind of just living in the moment and being like, I don't have to do anything now. I just need yeah. to love and yeah. stay connected and stay present. Right. I, mean, I think it's the latter. It's it's always going to be the latter for me, I think. Um, even, when, you know, when I'm trying to do something business-oriented, it's going to be done in that way with a state of like, you know, grace and presence and, you know, not being too crazy and anxious and needy. And I want this, it's got to happen. You know, there's a way to be assertive and, you know, be aggressive with life. You know, a good way to do it is to stay present from my, in my opinion. And, um, yeah, uh, I, I agree. Cause I think it gives you the capacity to, um, hone in and focus and uh-huh. be driven when, needed to be because if you're turned on all the time i know some people um, (laughs) can can operate in that state i can't do it i'll stress myself out out. it's it's knowing when to turn it on and off yeah and just kind of going back and forth and just figuring you read that book power power versus force no i have not Uh, you should read it it talks about how to you know it's like man i forget exactly what it's called can you pull that up power Power versus versus force Power is force. Power versus force. Power versus force. Yeah, it's. I think we all can gather that message from your uh story of just, for one, appreciating life, being present. Um, These things come up, and you're told like, tell your loved ones that you love them. Yeah. Just be kinder. Yeah. Then also just, don't be so critical on yourself. Like relax a little bit. Mm -hmm. It's okay to not be constantly (laughs) turned on all the time. Just. My my brother just was like, dude, you probably gave yourself this virus. So I was like, you're right. <laughs> Power versus force. Power versus force. Nice. Yeah, I'll have to. I'll have to uh, read it. Yeah, it's David a, it's R. Hawkins. Yeah. Imagine if you had access to a simple yes or no answer to any question you wish to ask. It's like goes back to what I was saying about the body knows. Like you just gotta tune into that. The universe holds its breath as we choose, instant by instant, which pathway to follow. For the universe, the very f- essence of life itself is highly conscious. Uh-huh. And that that was that that unconsciousness you were in right. was being guided by this universal consciousness. Right. Dude, I think you kind of got to like the gates of afterlife, like whatever that is. Yeah, There's ta- something that, because we, we, a common thread, we're trying to identify, like, which virus, why were you thinking X, Y, and Z in your, yeah. s- when you were sedated, and it's just constantly trying to figure things out, and the same applies with this afterlife. It's like, we, God, we know something, like, something's yeah. there, we just something's don't know there. what. And I could tell you this, is like, when I was out of the hospital, I spent most of my days pondering that thought, 
and it almost drove me mad. I was like, what was that? What was that? What was like, what making, trying to make sense of everything. Um, and then, you know, like there comes a point where you just got to like drop it and start to live your life. You know, know, this happened, that happened, move forward. Something else is going to happen. You just got to keep moving forward. You know, like I came out relatively unscathed compared to the, the reality of it. You know, I drowned. I had some viral infection. I had a multiple cardiac, arrest. multiple cardiac arrests. And yeah. And I always, every day I wake up and I'm just like, I'm fucking lucky, lucky. Your interpretation of death now, are you less scared of death? No, I'm not afraid of death. It's it's interesting because I remember I told you in the beginning of the podcast, like death is like this easy, easy thing. It was like this forceful letting go of like who you were and you weren't attached to anything around you or any sense of that. And if, you know, if that's how death really is, then I think we should uh, respect life more with reverence. Um, because life itself is a gift and so is dying. And I think we can die to ourselves every day. You know, like I just said, the thoughts that we have, the negative ones, you can put that to rest and put that to bed and continue to move forward. Well yeah. said, cause yeah. it's, it's like not taking things so seriously when you know at the end, mm-hmm. you're just going to go to this, right. this peaceful place. So right. yeah. And to live in fear of death, I think is going to drive more, more suffering into your life. So that's heavy. Well, dude, it was incredible. Like, thank <laughs> you for coming on and thank explaining you, exactly like what happened. And it just, yeah, it really makes me take a step back and just appreciate everything that I've been through. All the people I know, all the amazing friends and family members and loved ones that I have in my life. Yeah. And even like just being a, a brother to you and just like being present. Like we're we're here, like you're here, and you literally had a second lease on life that most people, especially not our age, mm-hmm. twenty seven years old, will ever, ever go to, and and until you're at the very end. But it gives me hope that it is going to be okay, and that yeah. the end, whatever is next, it's going to be premised by peace. And I think people can find comfort in that. Right. Less critical, being less critical and just, just living the moment. And dude, you're yeah. absolutely insane. I'm <laughs> stoked you're still here, bro. I'm stoked too. We love you, man. I'm stoked too, brother. It's a, it's a trip. And, uh, I think with last thing being said, I, I think, um, you know, if you don't know CPR or anything of that sort, you should definitely look into it. I think, uh, you know, this is more common than you think, especially with COVID happening. There's been more cardiac arrests or not arrest, events. So, you know, I'm here to bring awareness to that. I'm also here to, to remind you to keep living. And, you know, if it happens, it happens. And you got to keep moving forward. Good point. Let's all get uh, CPR certified. Yeah. Never know who you're yeah. going to have to save. Yeah. All my friends are, I think. If you're not, I'll be mad. I'm just kidding. Schedule an appointment. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. Well, hey, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you, bro. All right, Thank you guys. Grant. With that being said, talking goes a long way. See you next time.